Apparently we can't. We, we're only allowed to go one episode without having to talk about someone fucking dying. Yeah, what is it with us? It's we are, you know, we mm. we are the bad news bears of of podcasting. We've got we've got news though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, we've we've got two. One that's a bit more personal for mm. you. So you want to you want to kick that? Well, yeah. Sadly, um, Black Belt Jones, Jim Kelly, passed away at the age of sixty-seven. He died of cancer. And I think that was like two days ago, well, a day or so ago at time of recording, so the 29th. Those of you who uh, aren't familiar with his work, he was the the token black guy, (laughs) if you will, in Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee's seminal work, Enter the Dragon. And I've actually got a a slightly personal anecdote, which didn't actually happen to me, but it happened to a good friend of mine who I know listens to the podcast. He met him at Comic-Con. And and is it because... He does listen to the podcast, so you're not passing this off as a story of you? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know me so well. So I slash he was at uh, Comic-Con and got up and started speaking to him. And actually, and Jim Kelly, being the, the friend of, of the friendly sort of bloke that he was, invited him to breakfast the next day where they discussed, of all things, how Jim Kelly worked with Muhammad Ali. On, and training and whatnot, and, and, and Jim Kelly signed a, a photograph of my mate Paul and uttered the immortal lines, I was too busy looking good, which is what I'll always remember. So for me, Jim Kelly will always be looking good. And look, I urge you for a little bit of black exploitation fun, check out Black Belt Jones, or conversely, check out, well, End of the Dragon, really. I mean, don't, don't go past that. So he will be missed as far as I'm concerned. That's a real tragic tragedy. 67. Yeah, anyway, I gotta say, I know this is a controversial viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Cancer? It's a cunt. <laughs> it is, eh? It's I, really I want to be on the record. I don't care what the viewership costs me as being anti cancer. All right, look, that's a bold statement, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm, you know I'm a man of my convictions. You know what? Heart attacks can suck a big dick as well. Uh, Segway? Segway. <laughs> We in, in news that, that affected us both in quite a big way, considering how much we talked in the last episode about The Sopranos, yeah. it being the best written TV show of all time, it being you know Woody's number one what-the-fuck moment mm. of TV. Mm. Sad news in the past week or so of James Gandolfini big passing of a, of, a, of a heart attack, age yep. 51. Skip. He, Skip himself. He... Uh, Death died of a, of a heart attack at a film festival in Italy. In um, his honour. Yeah, he was he was the guest of honour, mm. and he he died. So gracious in life, ungrateful in death. Mm. But no, it's, it's well, you, a, you it, can't. I think overstate how much of a difference Gandolfini, and of course Tony Soprano has made to the TV landscape. Without him, there's no Walter White. There's no Don Draper. There's no Al Swearingen. He really broke the mould of what a TV leading man could be. And and not only that, if I may just interject, he he did something 
that was then has gone on to be emulated exactly as you said Vic Mackey Walter White Don Draper the anti-hero the person you're not supposed to root for but he, he gave it such soul such that that you would often forget this this guy's a cunt yeah they're all horrible horrible fucking people and yet we every you know we felt that tension when we thought Tony Soprano was going to get 86 yeah it's it's a uh... A sad, a sad thing, but it's a, yeah, it is a real, a real tragedy. Well, to be honest, the, the personal tragedy really is, is that his thirteen-year-old son was the one mm. to find him, um, yeah. which is which no one, I mean, that's just not right, no. in anyone's book. So, yeah, a moment of it, turn the podcast off for thirty seconds or, yeah. or a minute, if you will, and a moment of silence for two greats. Episode 24. Episode 23. I'm so keen. Hopeful. We'll go with that. Hopeful. Not, you're not going to say you were shooting at work too early, but that's... Well, I wouldn't like to say that. But I mean, I'm, I mean, I probably would be the only one who wouldn't like who to wouldn't say, say that. <laughs> Many other people would say it, but anyway, moving on. Yeah, so episode no, 23. Fuck, fuck them. Girls. Yeah, they're... Whatever. Pff, them. Whatever. We're, we're, one we're of them. gender in-specific here. I'm sure. We're not Yeah. <laughs> well, that was... This episode of A Couple of Pricks brought to you by McDonald Fanta. <laughs> so let's let's just pound it. Let's, let's, let's pound smash this, into some news. Pound this bitch. Let's go. You go first because you seem to have more news items than I do. Well, I, I, I have a couple of spares. I like to bring a couple of spares. You do just in case because this is occasional. That's like Yeah. You always like to have a couple of spares because yeah. you don't know when your buddy's going to need one. That's that a little bit more about my social life than no, yours. That's but considerate. You know what? That, that's considerate. That's considerate. The man who can do no wrong, the man who is cast in everything, the man for whom we all hold secret and not so secret gay feelings. Adam Sandler. The other guy. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Tom Hardy. Yeah. His hardiness is set to star. His royal hardiness. <laughs> I like it. Is set to star in The Outsider for Takashi Miike. Mmm. IMDb states the plot as an epic set in post-World War II Japan and centred on an American GI who joins the Yakuza. Oh. That's, oh. That's, your, that's your three strikes of awesome. That was me getting wood right there. So, yeah. Takashi Miike. Mm-hmm. Bam. Tom Hardy. Yakuza. Oh. This film hears us knocking. It's going to let us in. Yeah. I tell you, I may have just gone to completion right there. That's awesome. So it's an original original film? To the best of my knowledge. Yeah. Yep. No, uh, unfortunately, you have to ask these days. Yes. That sounds sensational. It I does. did not hear that, and I'm very, very excited. And as a, as a follow-up, a mm-hmm. supplementary question, if it please the chair, yep. Tom Hardy is also in early talks to play Elton John in a biopic of his life, Rocket Man. Okay. But the thing that we forget about Tom Hardy, because recently all he's done is... Monster macho mm. stuff, you know, Bane, Warrior. You forget mm. that he has 
depth. Real talent Range. and depth. Mm. You look at something like one of, one of my favourite films, sort of a bit of an underrated film, particularly his performance in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yep. It's not a masculine no, no, no. portrayal at all. It, it is quite a... My only hesitation really was, and I, I just paused to think about it, I've got Elton in my head and I've got Tom Hardy. And I've got to be honest, of the two of them, I think Sir Elton's going to be more happier that, oh, yes, you've chosen Tom Hardy to play me. Yes, that's wonderful. It's like what I often say, I think Matthew McConaughey should play me in my life story. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really, that's, that's how I want to be remembered in celluloid. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, in real life, there would be a him, really. But, yeah, okay. Oh, you could Jake LaMotta that shit. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. I could, yeah, I could, I could, uh, I could do it. The Hollywood Reporter, speaking of Jake LaMotta. Wow, okay. Yeah, now that, even I can't pull that segue <laughs> off. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governator, has executive has sold to Showtime and he will executively produce a TV show called Pump. Have you heard anything about this? I think I have. Mm. Sounds like gay porn. So <laughs> I mean. It's basically set around Pacific, a Pacific Avenue gym called Pump with fitness-obsessed customers who frequent it. If they basically, if Showtime, he sold it to them, if they decide to pick it up, he's going to have a starring role, which will be an interesting yeah, turn. Arnie on TV. Yeah. Is, is the small screen big enough for Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, it's Showtime too, so there's going to be the C-bomb every now and then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of interested. Well, it, I thought it, Pumping Iron was an interesting documentary. Yeah, but, yeah. Is it just going to be Arnold fucking maids? Made in Manhattan 3. <laughs> yeah, you know, made, made in California. Yeah, all the time I'm calming. <laughs> I love the pump. It's something from our, from my childhood. I'm assuming it's from your childhood too. Mm-hmm. Fox have purchased the film rights to the Choose Your Own Adventure series of books. Oh, my God. I don't know how this will work. I could see it. This this could work as a DVD, as yep. a Blu-ray, because you can you can interact. You can say one or two or three. Yep. In a movie, it's well. Now, see, a few years ago, I think there was a German film that a, that the audience could ring in halfway through and mm. sort of determine. Yeah, there, there, the there is that sort of there is that sort of <clears throat> stuff that 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 is possible. But for a wide released film, it's, it'd be interesting yeah. to see. It would be really interesting to see. I mean, they would obviously have to tie in some form of premium text. The way I would think they would mm. do it is obviously they film the various sequences, have them all loaded up, and then depending on the audience, we'll have to text mm. whatever, and they'll do a countdown maybe. Or I don't know how it yeah, works. I don't think it'll work. I, I don't think it'll... Shit. Not, not in film? DVD for a home market? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But it just for, seems all just a little bit fucking odd. For kids, maybe. You know, for kids. Yeah. It's some interesting news. I mean, there's no... Basically, the uh, Sony has already greenlit Amazing Spider-Man 3 and 4. Amazing Spider-Man 2 hasn't even been released yet. I'm not even entirely sure that they've started filming, or if they are, they're, they're indefinitely well and truly in post, or well and truly ensconced in, in, in it. But, um, yeah, they basically want to know... They want to get Andrew Garfield in pretty much before he becomes too old to, to pull it off. Now, whether he's signed for 3 and 4 is still a little bit in the dark... But they're basically saying Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 will be 2016 and Spider-Man 4 will be 2018. Wow. So it's so so, also probably too old and potentially too expensive. Potentially, yeah. If, if they lock him down now mm. on, a, on a contract, they can not have him 
RDJ that shit. Yeah, yeah, to, uh, yeah. Well, not not that I am for a second putting Andrew Garfield in that hallowed. I'm with you. I mean, they're obviously going to keep churning these movies out. They do make money for Sony. That's that's no, that's a given. And I think they're just going to keep churning it out because the last thing they ever want to have happen is the rights revert, revert to Marvel. Yeah. I wonder if there would be a price tag. I think I've discussed this before. Yeah. Could there be a price tag? It wouldn't mean Disney would have to buy Sony. I think that's the only way. <clears throat> Disney's got the money, though, doesn't it? Sony is a whale, though. Oh, is it? It is a... Well, well so, Sony Pictures, it is mm. a... Because when you're talking most recently, Sony has just turned a profit for the first yeah. time in so many. Yeah, so. Oh, we can live in hope. A girl can dream. In remake news, uh, a remake that I'm absolutely amazed has taken as long as it has to happen, with the exception of sort of the quasi reboot remake that was 2005's The Island. The creator of the Bioshock video games, mm-hmm. Ken Levine, has been hired to adapt a new movie of Logan's Run. Mm. Logan's Run, for those of you who don't know, it was a 1976 Michael York film mm-hmm. and then subsequently a TV show about a society where it's an idyllic, paradise, utopian society, but at 30 years old you get put to death. Yeah. Um, and it's about the guy, Logan, who's trying to escape this. Mm. Um, the closest thing that has been has been the island yeah and i don't know if it's if it has any official affiliation or if it's just based on sort of the kind same kind of sort of idea yeah but yeah it's it, it's amazed i'm amazed a that it's taken that long mm. to do it but b that they've taken a video game creator to do it i mean you, you haven't played any of the bioshocks no i tried to i just yeah. i know I, i'm kicking myself because i never could devote the yeah. time to it I, I should i know that they're good yeah. i mean they're, they're a deep mm. rich world the story the you know it's it's a fantastic universe yeah. it's the the story is is deep and rich mm-hmm. are they but, but aren't they, are, are they planning on making a bioshock movie have the rights I, I, I think that they still have been mm. talking about mm. that so which would seem sort of a sort of logical choice but look i'd be i'd Pardon me, I'd be interested in seeing a, um, a Logan's Run movie simply because it was a... Well, I actually have seen a Logan's Run movie. I've seen the original. Yeah. I think they could do something interesting with it. Now, as long as they don't... There's a, there's a real... They, they did the same thing with Blade Runner when they, they took away the, the, the whole Mercerism from Do Androids Dream About Electric Sheep with Blade Runner. And I think that there's, there's a lot of serious messages in Logan's run that they will miss if they just do a, like a Total Recall remake. Mm. So let's hope that, that, that somebody like this will go, you know what, it's actually about the story and it's mm. about the themes and it's about the... I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a remark. I mean, they did the, the chat... The, it actually, I mean, it probably would be the first, first ever time we've ever seen chat roulette where they, they basically plug in and say, oh, I want, mm. so who wants to have sex tonight sort of thing and next off go, they, they teleport into your room and off you mm. go. Which, you know... Uh, I'm sure really where you pulled that from. <clears throat> where, um, you know what? <laughs> you know, fuck hoverboards. Where's that technology? Wait, 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 where's the slot in my computer that I put my dick in? Uh, uh, well, the one that I haven't had to make myself. So speaking of Adam Sandler, he's reportedly attached to star in Ghost, and before all the women in the world throw themselves off the cliff, it's not that Ghost. However, it's a pretty much shot-for-shot remake of uh, Hello, Ghost, which was a Korean comedy, which was basically already done with Robert Downey Jr. in Heart and Souls. I don't know if you've ever mm. seen that one. Basically about a man who attempts suicide and gets haunted by four ghosts, each looking for a favour. 
how Adam Adam Sandler? How the fuck does this guy? What what happens in the world where where Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, Sandler keeps things, keeps making moves? To make things? It's he had I've, a fleeting moment of hilarity. I, I, I've, there has been there have been two Adam Sandler movies that I have thought were any good. Mm-hmm. One of them wasn't an Adam Sandler movie. It just happened to be a movie that Adam Sandler was in. Yeah. Wedding that, Singer. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought was was good. Yep. And Punch Drunk Love. Okay. Which was a P.T. Anderson film. Yep. Because it was complete. Because it was Adam Sandler not being Adam Sandler, and that's the best thing that he can possibly do is not be himself. Because yep. Adam Sandler himself is just. Oh, he's, he's a dickbag. I mean, I I admit to thinking Happy Gilmore was kind of funny with the first time I saw it and any subsequent time I've watched it would have gone that's not as funny it, it, as I it, It's it. less funny every time. Yeah. And I, I actually tend to watch it more for the Kevin Nealon moments and the, mm. the, the Shooter McGavin moments and whatnot. But I don't... I didn't mind The Longest Yard being a remake of The Mean Machine with Burt Reynolds, but on the whole, I just don't understand the world that we live in. And to, to touch on something that a very good friend of the show... Robert Downey Jr. has made his own. How that's mm. people should just be punched. That's what I want. That's it, listeners. You need to fund this podcast so Nate and I can just travel to Hollywood, and when we hear shit like this, we can roll up a motherfucker yeah. and punch them, yeah. and just no, just straight up no, smack no. Rob Schneider remaking Chaplin. Bang right in the face. Snap no yeah. no. In fact, we should just punch Rob Schneider. <laughs> just, we, hey, we don't need a reason. <laughs> hey, there's Rob Schneider. Smack! But we we should be yep. Nate and Woody yep. movie police. That's, uh, that's you know what? That's the title of the fifth chapter of my new book. <laughs> that's spectacular. You know movie what you should police. do? Start writing some of these chapters. <clears throat> I should. <laughs> Rather than just coming... I should just... No, I'm going to have a book of nothing but title chapters. <laughs> It's going to be plenty of blank pages, but I'm going to sell it. I reckon it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what are you going to do? Fuck Adam Sandler. <clears throat> Jim Carrey. Yeah, fuck him too. Is distancing himself yeah. from Kick-Ass 2. Yeah, fuck him. You know, I can't... He does some crazy shit. Yeah. You assume most of it is for attention because, yeah. like all comedians, he's OCD and craves attention and somehow he's not with Jenny McCarthy anymore, so obviously his life is meaningless. But he says, post Sandy Hook, which happened between the filming of the movie and the release of the movie, yeah. he can't justify and he can't be a part of that sort of violence. Yep. Which I'd like to take it on face value that he's had a bit of a, a you know, a, a wake-up moment and mm-hmm. and is, is, is legit about it, but... Yeah, it's it's a bit. Does he have to do it? Does he does it mean does he have to promote it? And I mean, can he not just say? Can he not come out after the movie's been made? Because he's potentially fucking the release of this movie, or has he just made sure that everyone goes and sees it? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say I, when I saw the preview, I thought he was awesome. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. Is the best thing he's done for fucking years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. To, I mean, to the point where I didn't actually realize it was him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I've seen him in was in Burt Wonderstone, and and uh, he was good for a little while, and then then he was his one trick pony got old very, very, very quickly. Look, I'm 
I don't know. I, to be honest, I just wish he would have shut his fucking mouth until the movie had come out. And then afterwards, if people had asked him about so, it... Hey, why weren't you on the promotional trail? Yeah, say, so, look, got to be honest, I didn't want to distract from the movie at all, but I just... I've, I've An epiphany has happened or, or something along mm. those lines. I don't know. I'm dubious, but fuck him because I think... I just... I think it's just brute. I think it's just poor, poor form. Yep. So, and anyway. where's Ace Ventura 3? Yeah, well, what's up with that? <laughs> Though, did you see when nature calls? I mean, they really took it one trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Steven Spielberg has come out, and George Lucas has backed him up, and basically said that, and something that we've said in the show that film industry is about to reach a critical mass and implode upon itself, where all it will take is a half a dozen two hundred fifty million dollar plus movies to flop at the box office, and then. It, it will just be you're going to have to start paying an exorbitant amount of money on ticket prices. And interestingly, the, the, probably the thing that, about that that struck me was he was saying he came this close, whatever that means, but he came very, very close to seeing Lincoln released as an HBO movie instead of a theatrical release. Mm. <clears throat> We've said it before that at some point something's got to give, something's going to happen, and I think, I mean, people like that whose, whose numb finger is on the pulse... I think absolutely. I think it's something's going to give, and it's going to be, it's going to see the end of, of something pretty big. You know, I respect Steven Spielberg as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he's very successful, but he doesn't always make tentpole movies. Correct. I completely agree with everything that Spielberg said. Mm-hmm. George Lucas can go fuck himself. Yeah, because he's the problem. He's yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. like, oh yes, yes, you're you're right. Mm. Um, I just re-released Phantom Menace in 3D, so yeah, give me another exactly. 150 million dollars. Yeah. But yes, ooh, everything's bad, and and there's no. But having said that, you talk about him being part of the problem. They're not releasing the next two movies. Well, because Disney because of, stopped it. Yeah, because it's basically because they're shit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. I 100 percent support mm. what Spielberg's saying because as as you know we. We don't. We're not supposed to talk about it no. that much, and we won't name names. Don't we won't. But we, shouldn't. we are in relatively constant phone contact with with, with Mr. S. Yeah, we'll just call him Mr. S. Mr. S. Um, Mr. S. S. <laughs> well, that's a bit. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do get a bit into trouble of sort in that <laughs> when we call him the SS, he's, but he's because he's a little bit sensitive. Yeah, we don't. Fucking know. seventy years ago, get over it. Yeah, it was grim. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. But. He talked about this and he said, because he listens to the podcast, he says, I agree with what you guys are saying. Yeah. How about I make a statement, if mm-hmm. you don't mind, can I take your words, put them, just to give a bigger microphone. I appreciate that, mm-hmm. Stevie, but but tell George, back the fuck off, yeah. he's the man that we're railing Get against. the fuck out of our cabbage patch. Yeah. 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 Anyway, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Make um, your well, Jones five, I guess. Um, um, all right, so I've got my last piece yes, of news. Yep. And this is this is the, the human interest, the, the puff piece, mm-hmm. if you like. <laughs> the rest of our podcast is so hard hitting. <laughs> Cutting edge. And I'm gonna get her name wrong. Yep. Casey Kuoko. Or Kaylee Kuoko? Kaylee Kuoko, yeah. Kaylee Kuoko. Yeah. Penny. Yes. From the Big Bang Theory. The tidiest of tidies. An incredibly attractive woman who really has had one job, has gotten a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, I thought you were going to say sex tape. Brother, if, if there was a... If, I was if she had a sex tape, we wouldn't be recording. Yeah. The, the podcast would be... 
You're right. Eight simple rules, and um, it's it, it, it throws into a bit of de- not not that it's a validation of anything, but we know how they're done. We we, we know that now through our association with with Ralph Garman mm-hmm. and the, the the movement for Adam West. All it takes is money. Yeah, I, cert- I think it's a certain amount of signatures and fifty grand. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone from that show is going to get it, it's it should be Sheldon. Well, I, I or the cast as a whole. Yeah, but I, she is I, not. You know, I think Johnny Galecki. To be honest, I think he's. I mean, as as a person, as an actor, he has sort of reinvented himself a couple of times doing different things. I mean, he's well, come back from to Roseanne. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever saw Suicide Kings, one of the better movies around yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, I just... I, yeah. It's I, just a, <clears throat> a flawed system when someone who's had two TV shows yep. is considered, you know, worthy. Yeah, I don't I don't understand it. I, I was actually a bit disappointed when I found out that that's how people get stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I yeah, I, I was hoping it was going to be a secret little backroom cabal yeah. that would say, you know what? You are worthy! But, yeah, apparently not. My final piece of news is probably a little bit exciting for us all, but Marvel have confirmed that RDJ has signed on for Marvel's The Avengers 2 and 3. The exact terms of these deals were not released, but it does suggest that since RDJ wound up with $50 million for his turn as Tony in The Avengers... Uh, and this year's Iron Man 3 and last year's Avengers have grossed nearly $3, three billion combined, we would say that he's pretty much in for some serious, serious yeah. money. But there are no apparent plans for Iron Man 4 at mm. this stage. So Yeah, and that's, that's not a bad thing. You, you've got to think that maybe in, in, in Phase 2 mm-hmm. he's going to take a, a smaller role. Perhaps, yeah. But he signed on for 3 and 4. Yeah. So that's... But we don't... Well, two and three. Oh, sorry. Yeah, two and three. Did I say three and four before? No, no. no I did. Okay. I just fucked it then. Yeah, just then. Yeah, he, he might be a, yeah, a smaller role. He might be more mm-hmm. of a Nick Fury in those. He'll still kick up. But we'll watch anything that I think <clears throat> in. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. It's... Uh, obviously, they've, they've got their... They've got their phase two and their phase three mapped out. They're already putting... Movies in this, they're saying they're having a movie in 2016 and 2017 yeah. in, in the lead up, so they're, they're packing it in. With phase two, what's the, fir- the first one out is, is uh, Thor, two, Thor 2 and then Cap 2. And then Cap 2, Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, actually, well, well, the first I'm one in was three. I'm in 3. Yeah, which I'm is in- yeah, just passed in the, the billion dollar mark or something, mm. I think. So. Yeah. yeah, so Iron Man 3, Cap, uh, Thor 2, Cap 2, Guardians of the Galaxy. And then presumably Avengers two. Okay, interesting. I don't know. I know nothing about this Guardians of the Galaxy apart from that. Well, we got to check it out. Yeah, above what we talked about last week. Fucking Glenn Close. Yep. My God. I'm about that. I'm all up in business. Some reviews. Yeah, we're, we're back into the full swing. We're back in full effect, as Public Enemy used to say, with two reviews. This podcast, this yeah. episode. Well, this this show is fully effective. It is. Yeah. 
it is at its most fully effect <laughs> when we have two reviews. Well, this show got its, got a crocodile in reviews. It did. So, two reviews this week. Mm-hmm. One of them, my, the first one that we're going to kick off with, is World War Z. Before we kick in, let me clear the air. Let me get a couple of things off. Loyal listeners of the show will will be aware that I have... I'm on record as being fairly negative towards this movie during its, during its incubation and development. I am a big fan of the book. I think the book is genius. And I didn't see how it could be translated into a hero-driven narrative. That being said, I've tried really hard within myself to come to terms with the differences. And I believe in my heart that I largely have. And I've been able to divorce myself from thinking of this as an adaptation of the book and more as just a movie that happens to have the same name. I wanted to give this movie the chance to live or die on its own terms and not be coloured by my feelings towards the book. I will in- so I will endeavour to not refer to this book during the course of this review, much like the creators of the book. <laughs> World War Z. Starring Dustin Hoffman, Kevin Spacey, Renee Russo. Oh, oh, excuse me. That's Outbreak. Starring Brad Pitt, Daniela Cassettes, and Fanna Mokano. Mokoena. That's all right, she doesn't Fanna listen. She doesn't listen. <laughs> Direct- hey, Fanna Mokoena. <laughs> Directed by... <laughs> Sorry. And scene. Directed by Mark Forster. Written by Matthew Michael Carnahan, Drew Goddard, and Damon Lindelof. Based on a screen story by Matthew Michael Carnahan and J. Michael Straczynski. Based on a book by Max Brooks. World War Z is the story of Jerry Lane, Pitt, a retired UN investigator who is coerced into service again when zombie hordes start to take over the world. He sets, he sets out looking for, effectively, Patient Zero in an attempt to pinpoint the cause of the mutation in an effort to find a cure. His travels take him to Korea and Israel, and then finally Wales, picking up along the way an Israeli soldier, Cassettes. The film also features small roles by David Morse as an ex-CIA agent kept prisoner in a, in a forgotten jail, and Fana Mokoena as the Deputy Secretary General... Secretary General... That's one rank under Admirable... <laughs> Of the United Nations. This movie went through a fairly troubled incubation, starting with a bidding war between Pitt's production company, Plan B, and Appian Way, owned by Leonardo DiCaprio. The original script by Carnahan and Straczynski was leaked online in 2008, with Ain't It Cool News calling it not just a good adaptation of a difficult book, but a genre-defining piece of work that could well see us all arguing about whether or not a zombie movie qualifies as best picture material. It also noted stylistic similarities to the brilliant Children of Men. Clearly, they did not use this script. There are extensive rewrites by Goddard and Lindelhoff during filming, basically rewriting the entire third act of the film, and I think the film bears the scars of that inconsistency. Pitt is good enough in a run-to-this-place, run-to-that-place kind of way. None of the supporting casts are really given anything of substance to do, except to be dressing for Pitt's running around. That said, there are a couple of good minor roles. I thought the family in the apartment block, for example, and the staff of the World Health Organization in Cardiff were quite good. The session that I saw was in 3D, 
not by choice. That was just the session that I had. And we've talked before in, in, in various reviews about the added darkness that 3D gives. This was very apparent here in some of the early action scenes, particularly the scenes in the apartment blocks, the zombie fights in the apartment blocks. The action was too disorganised, too frenetic, and frankly too dark to really have any idea what was going on. So they were very disjointed in that way. Director Mark Forster, whose previous work ranges from the flawed quantum of solace to the quirkily charming Stranger Than Fiction to the powerful Monsters Ball, doesn't seem to know what he wants this movie to be. Is it a political thriller, is it an action movie, or is it a suspense film? And I think as such it fails to be any of them. I rate this film one and a half stars, but I acknowledge the potential of bias, as, as we previously discussed, so I'm giving it a bonus star, sorry, a bonus half a star to offset that. A bonus bias star. A bonus bias star. So overall, two stars from me. David. I had this book is on my list of book shame, um, and as such, is uh, is, and I will read it. I will get around to reading it. But fortunately, I could go into this movie without any preconceived, uh, preconceived. notions. So, really, what I did notice, and and you really touched on it there, is you know, the, what I like to call the in association withs, and it was Plan B Entertainment in association with in association with, in association with, in association with. And the, by the time the movie had even, like, the moved past the title credits, I think we were still finding out which studio had still, like, was had some sort of fingers into it. The, and that, the first act was yeah, the production credits. That's exactly right. And when you see a film like that, that starts to set off a few warning bells in my, my, uh, my mind. I having not known and stayed away from this movie or stayed away anything to do with this movie was very excited when I saw the J. Michael Straczynski credit up on the, the thing and then I was I was kicked in the balls by the Damon Lindelhoff credit who has whatever small measure of talent this person has and he has some talent it's being squandered by him having his, his grubby little fingers in so many different pies that he's becoming a little bit I, I, I must admit I'm starting to resent seeing his name on play the things. He fucked Prometheus. That actually, on a personal level, that's why I don't like him, is he does these movies like Star Trek, Prometheus, uh, the new Star Trek movie, such a, and then when he when people say, oh, we didn't like this bit, we didn't like that bit, he backflips like a backflippy, flippy person and goes, oh, yeah, I do, I agree, that was a bit... Stand by your shit, man. And then in that case, go down with the ship. I agree that the, the third act in this movie was just appalling. I had I now understand that there were serious reshoots that I had to go back and do some things, and obviously it, it appears that the end of this movie had to be that because the tension, the excitement, the, the frenetic edge-of-your-seat <gasps> moments of the first couple of acts were just non-existent in that third act. Basically, when the plane crashed, spoiler... From that point on, I started to look at my watch. Mm. Prior to that, I was actually really excited by it, and I liked the way they did a couple of things. For example, when we saw the first, when because we see this sort of movie through Pitt's eyes, mm. so I guess he's the he's the overarching storyteller. When we see the first zombie change, and the, at the same time, it just happens to be tolling ten or, or twelve or something on on the the clock, and I picked up on that about the third toll that it's. We're now seeing how quick it takes, and he, being a UN investigator, would absolutely notice those sorts of things. I noticed it. 
for God's sake. So I can only imagine. And then so when it was the potential of him being infected, I actually liked that moment where he was he was put positioned him himself in a case of if I start to go, I'm going to and counted it off. And I liked that. I thought that was really good. And that carried through. And I also then understood the MacGuffin, if you will, about the second time I saw it highlighted. But yeah, to be honest, the third act really let this film down. And I was I enjoyed it up to the third act. And then it was a case of, um, I bet you they're going to, and they did, credits. So I'm giving this film two stars. Because also I'm not that big a fan of the zombie genre, there were some actual chills that I got out of this this movie. I love The Walking Dead because of the story more than the fact that they're zombies. And I have enjoyed the zombie movies where the zombies move super fast. I've never understood why they shuffle. I understand it's a choice that it, that each individual zombie... Because there, no, there are no such thing as real zombies. But I've never understood why they shuffle from here, shuffle from there. Unless bits are falling off them. Mm. Whereas I like the uh, contagion idea of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, two stars yeah. for me. I, I thought the zombies themselves were quite good. I had no issue with them being fast. I had no, no, no issue with, with any of that. Just the movie was not... No, it just wasn't but good. They, because it's actually made quite a lot of money, <coughs> which it needed to because of the reshoots, and yeah. we'll add this company in and get another $50 million and add this company in yep. and get another $30 million. It has apparently been greenlit for a sequel. Well, I don't understand where the sequel will come from. I mean, I don't understand it. Yeah. Like, I, it just, you know... So maybe then it's, let's just go and kill all the zombies now that we have the cure. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, look, I'm going to read the book. I'm going to I'm going to take some time before I read the book because um, I don't want it tarnished by this this movie. Like I said, uh, for a good solid popcorn flick, for the first two acts of the movie, it went well. But yeah, you will fall asleep in the third act, unless you unless somebody goes, you know what? I really like the way they did that. Mm. I, I, it's a novel idea, yeah. But I was bored, and it kind of really just went, and we're done. Like it was, yeah. Yeah, there was no real resolution. It's <clears throat> we've got a way not to get bitten now. What it, what it mm. basically was was a time massage without the happy ending. Mm. That's really what it was. Yeah. So yeah. Or the, or the happy ending without the release. It's oh, getting on to the point. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would be that. That's cruel. That's just cruel shit. And and people deserve to be you know beaten over that. That's called a Lindelof. I like it. Yeah, let's get that on the net because they had the Santorum. Oh, we we want the, the we Santorum. want to call it the Lindelof. Lindelof. Okay. So the second movie we're reviewing is the uh, the most eagerly anticipated film so far of this year, the new Man of Steel, the new Superman movie. I shouldn't call it the new Man of Steel movie. I should call it the Man of Steel movie. Directed by Zack Snyder, written by David S. Goya, produced by Christopher Nolan. Don't usually mention a producer credit, but I'm going to get to this. Starring Henry Cavill, or Cable, Amy Adams, Michael Shannon, Diane Lane, Kevin Costner, Lawrence Fishburne, and Russell Crowe. It's been seven years since The Big Boy in Blue has graced our screens after the much maligned Superman Returns, which I would like to say from the outset, despite its faults, I actually liked, and I was looking forward to see what they would do with the story in the future. However, despite pulling in just under 400 mil, it was deemed a failure to launch and subsequently Warner Brothers slash DC Comics went back into the shadows to lick its wounds until Warner Brothers got the hero it wanted and needed but maybe not deserved in Christopher Nolan. 
I think before any review of The Man of Steel should begin, we need to take a moment to acknowledge the omnipresence of Christopher Nolan in the DC Universe's franchise. Just as Jon Favreau is single-handedly responsible for igniting the Marvel movie franchise with his inspired casting of Robert Downey Jr. and the very competent turn at Iron Man in 2005, Nolan's Batman Begins was a game-changer for DC Comics and Warner Brothers. The resulting Dark Knight trilogy meant Warner had stepped up to the mic and dropped bombs. However, there is a double-edged sword here to Nolan's DC Universe, a batard on which Warner Brothers may find itself hoisted, if I can say that without being vomited on. The overarching theme behind Batman's Nolan was the realism. Could a man of unlimited resources, who has spent years honing his skills, don a mask and fight crime? Nolan's answer was yes, and here's how. It worked for the Dark Knight trilogy, but I think it fails when you try and do the same thing for Superman. You absolutely must suspend disbelief when dealing with Superman. While pimply fanboys sucking saliva through their headgear can argue backwards and forth about how Batman could be real, indeed, he's my favourite superhero because of his human frailties, Superman is an alien who is nigh on invulnerable, can fly, shoot heat beams from his eyes, has X-ray vision, is faster than a speeding bullet, leap tall buildings, etc, etc, etc. He is not now, nor could he ever be, real. While this seems obvious to most, I think someone needed to take that hammer into the production meetings and smack Nolan and Goya around the head with it. Snyder got it. You could see clearly in the parts of the movie where Snyder got it. Nolan and Goya have not. So with that preamble. The movie opens with the planet Krypton facing doom having exhausted its natural resources. Message number one. Amid this, we see the birth of Kal-El, delivered into this world by his father, Joel Crow, and his mother, Lara, who I, I won't insult by trying to pronounce her name. The scene changes with Joel facing some council, explaining that they have to leave their planet to its fate, change their ways, and start, search the stars again to find a new place in the universe for them. The council refuses, and before any further action takes place, General Zod, Shannon, storms the council room, mounting a coup d'etat, there is some history here between Zod and Jor-El, as it is clear that the latter does not agree with the former's plan. Escaping in a rather fantastic sequence, Jor-El takes to the Codex, a source of all genetic material slash knowledge straight from a scene from the Matrix, and infuses it into his newborn son before launching him into space on his way to Earth. Zod kills Jor-El, and when the coup d'etat is put down, Zod and his closest followers are sentenced to the Phantom Zone. Thus, Krypton explodes. Cut to Earth, we find that the spacecraft has landed in Kansas and that the movie then kicks into its non-linear story, alternating between an older Clark Kent on a sojourn through the world and his childhood growing up with Jonathan and Martha Kent, Kevin Costner and Diane Lane respectively. Here we see the valuable lessons instilled in the young Clark as he comes to grips with his alien nature and his powers and with careful mentoring of his sometimes fearful father, begins on a journey to becoming the hero that Jonathan knows he could be. Clark... Wandering the Earth, saving people here and there, and in a wonderful nod to Superman 2, not beating the piss out of a disrespectful trucker in a trucker bar, but showing that Clark has an, a bit of a mischievous streak, Clark is ultimately trying to find his purpose. Enter Lois Lane, Adams, who has, through a court injunction, managed to get onto a top-secret military base in the Arctic, where, unbeknownst to her, Clark has found his way there as well. The military installation is attempting to understand what it turns out to be a Kryptonian spacecraft which crashed on Earth thousands of years ago. 
Clark enters the ship and we see the advanced Kryptonian ship communicate to Clark through the consciousness of the holographic Jor-El, who reveals all to Clark and urges him to bring hope to mankind. Fortunately, the same lessons that Jonathan and Martha wanted Clark to do. Lois Lane sneaks inside the ship while following Clark and is rescued by him when she is injured. Lois intends to write an expose on Clark after tracking him through his various jobs throughout the world. However, after arriving at the Kansas farm and hearing directly from Clark himself, decides to bury the story, much to the surprise of her editor, Perry White. Fishbone. Meanwhile, Zod and his followers were released from the Phantom Zone by Krypton's destruction and sought out the various Kryptonian colonies throughout the universe and eventually comes to Earth. Learning that the son of Jor-El is on Earth, he demands to the people of Earth to surrender Kal-El or the Earth will be destroyed. Clark agrees to this and is handed over. Zod reveals that he intends to use the world engines and terraform Earth into a new Krypton, killing everybody on the planet. Thus, finally, after some considerable throat clearing, we get into the movie. <laughs> I'm going to skip straight to it. I really, really liked this film, but it does have its faults. First and foremost is the environmental message being pounded into us regarding Krypton's fate. I get it. It's interesting. I mean, Krypton has exploded because it is, its sun has gone supernova. It's all sorts of various reasons over the time. Sometimes just no reason at all. Just it blew up. I liked this version. But a bit of an environmental message. Secondly, the religious iconography. I turned to a mate after watching this film and opined, when did Snyder, Goya and Nolan become Christian apologists? It was okay to be a little subtle, but I think subtle left on the train a long time ago. Also, Jor-El is the greatest scientific mind on Krypton, and Zod, being a genetically bred soldier and leader, the scientist slaps Zod around like he's a little bitch. There are also some elements here that are quite dark, which I mentioned before with Nolan's influence. The emphasis that people could be prejudiced against Superman being the greatest one. Sure, it's probable, but doesn't need a place in a movie about hope. This is the Nolanverse creeping back into things here. Batman is angst, Superman is hope. Let's not blow the two. A quick word on casting. Henry Cavill is almost too perfect a specimen of a human being. His unbelievable body development, thanks again to Mark Twight, who whipped the lads of Snyder's 300 into shape, helped create the superhero body here in this movie, the truest depiction of the physique of a comic Superman. He also exudes an instant trustworthiness, and all due respect to Christopher Reeve, actually gives Superman more than one dimension. Amy Adams is credible, but is lacking the strength that Lois Lane has. I think to this day, Marco Kidder still has it in the bag as the best Lois on film so far. Russell Crowe does a good job. I quote David Stratton here, who tweeted, Russell Crowe is only proof of life bad, not Les Miserables bad. It was nice to see Richard Schiff in here, despite his role being a bit of a non-event. But of course, the standout here is Michael Shannon as General Zod. He was up to this task in every way and actually helped me see his point of view, as homicidal as it was. A couple of visual mentions, as I mentioned before, Superman's mother, Lara, brings new meaning to the acronym MILF, and Aunt J. Truer as Feora, who I'd like to clone the anagram, Kilf, a Kryptonian I'd like to fuck. Visually, this movie is excellent, and it's where Snyder excels. There are a few shaky handheld moments which I have no idea what, what the purpose of Schneider, what, what he was trying to achieve, perhaps just to annoy the shit out of me. And this would also have to be the most destructive Superman movie ever. In fact, it was probably more destructive than The Avengers, to be honest. I guess that was part of the realism that they did get right. 
two gods fighting would probably leave a bit of a mark, though it did go on a little bit longer than necessary and also was a touch matrixy. I'd like to put a placeholder here to discuss the ending in a bit more detail when the film has been out for a while and uh, I think it should be discussed. I'm giving this movie three and a half stars and I'm really looking forward to the next instalment. David. On the whole, I quite liked and thought this was a, a very entertaining film. <laughs> some, some, of what, some of my notes um, are almost exactly what, what you've said, so if there is a bit of duplication, I apologise. Henry Cavill is a fantastic Superman. He has an unbelievable physique, rivalling Hemsworth's Thor, mm-hmm. but with considerable more depth and range mm. than Thor either could do or was given. In fact, I actually don't have anything bad to say about any of the performances. No. Kevin Costner's Jonathan Kent was fantastic. I think it was it was close to perfect for what that role needed mm-hmm. to be. As was Russell's Jorel. And yeah, me saying something positive about about Russ is, is an unusual thing. Well, listeners, you he actually twitched a little bit when he said that I nearly called the paramedics. <laughs> but Michael Shannon, the the intensity of this fucking man. Anyone that's watched Boardwalk Empire knows that he's capable of it, but he, he he ramps it up a notch. He is a comic book villain. He is meant to be over the top. And you do get, in the end, why he's like this. Mm. He's genetically bred. He's built to do this thing. And he does it to the exclusion of all else. And mm. I think he's really quite fantastic. For me, the real, the real standout was Diane Lane. Mm-hmm. Her Martha Kent was, I think, the heart, the real heart of this film. Which, which brings me to my, my two main issues that I have with the film. One is a bit of a lack of heart. I know it's, it might seem kitschy and old-fashioned, but the Christopher Reeve movies and even Superman Returns had heart in spades. Superman loved humanity, and that's what, and that's what drove him. You don't get that feeling with Cavill's Superman. I think because we didn't get a lot of him as Clark trying to be human. I think you know, that was something that really wasn't played with a lot. You had the, you know, the scene on the, on the boat, the fishing boat, mm. but there, was no, there wasn't a lot of Clark mm. in this film, which is odd considering in Dark Knight Rises I said there was too much Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but yeah. uh, the, the bigger issue, though, is I think Snyder's direction, which at times is all style and no substance. While an undeniably amazing looking film, there there are times, particularly in the third act, where it's just one long video game fight scene. The, the fight with Zod feels like it's taken straight out of Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. If you've ever played that, there's moves you can do where you punch a guy and he flies and you fly after him and punch him through a building. All this stuff just... It's, I get that they're two gods, but it just seemed over the top and it just went on, I think, for far too long. It also felt like they've watched Avengers and said, well, you've got to break more stuff. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty destructive. Yeah. The Battle of New York in Avengers is 25 minutes of cinematic perfection. You've talked about just mm. how amazing the yeah. whole sequence is. And it is. You can watch that and it will never mm. get old. This seems just like destruction for the sake of destruction. Mm-hmm. The Roland Emmerich, yeah, Independence Day. Yep. Let's just destroy mm-hmm. stuff. 
for the sake of destroying it. You talked about the the Christian mm. overtones. Oh, they weren't overtones. They my, were. Yeah, it, they were so Christing. Mm. Yep. Him to the point. There's a, a speech that Jonathan Kent gives Clark that is so similar to Metatron's speech in Dogma mm. about how do you tell this kid that he's the son of God and he's going to change yeah. the man? How is he going to deal with that? Yeah. It's... Yeah, be, it's, no, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, get, get some... Sorry. Get some subtlety. I thought the touch at the end with, uh, with the Daily Planet yep. I think was nice and sets up, I guess, a, a more traditional second film with some of the elements that I think was probably missing mm. in this. I mean, I don't need the bumbling no. Christopher Reeve, Clark Kent, no. but I would like Clark dealing with, with humanity a little bit more. So, as an origin story, I thought this was a pretty good film. Not truly great, and I think the reason for that is, is what you've said. When you've got a man from outer space... Stop trying to be so real about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly right. That's, That's exactly right. It's a, it's like a big albatross. Christopher Nolan's, it worked for Dark Knight. Because it, there's or, feasibility to that. Yeah. There's, sure, it's completely fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, it's there, there's a, it's grounded in realism. You can't have it grounded in realism no. when he's a man from space that can fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I really enjoy it. See, I, I don't necessarily disagree 100% with you but I do feel that those I mean you would almost call them interstitials but the moments that you did see Jonathan Kent shaping the young Clark mm. every time we went back and saw a flashback of Jonathan mm. and Martha Jonathan and Martha yeah. are some of the best parts of that movie oh, they, they were Costner is unbelievably good in oh, he I mean uh, I, I there were a few moments probably about three that I can think of right now, that I I literally teared up. Obviously, the you'll always be my son because I it, I for, I actually forgot. Well, you are my son. I forgot he said that, mm. and then he goes, "Can't I just be your son?" I'm like, "Oh my god!" And he said, "You are my son." And that that moment, and mm. because there's a there's a there's a heart. See, I disagree. That I guess that I think there was a true heart to that film. There was heart in the Kent family scene. Yeah. Nowhere. Else. But see. Okay, maybe, but I I think there was there was something about Henry Cavill. Now I I mean I can appreciate an attractive man, and we often joke about how much I appreciate Hugh Jackman for an example. There was something almost other world. There, there was something almost otherworldly about Henry Cavill, and you almost you see it immediately is when he's talking to Lois after Lois has been injured, and it's you just the way they shot it. I mean it is a very Christ-like messianic figure. But the way he spoke to her and whatnot, his voice, his facial expressions, he me, I immediately went. Not, oh, you know, if I was if I was half a queer, I, you know, it was it was absolutely. I would completely believe anything that comes out of this oh, person's mouth. His charisma, charisma was phenomenal, and I just, yeah. and everything, and I really liked the the so the the journey. I'm I'm actually probably rambling a bit simply because I have recently listened to the Fat Man on Batman Man of Steel review. And I pretty much take exception with everything that Ralph Garman says. 
And I so much so that I really think he missed the mark completely. And and since you're not mentioning them, I'm actually trying not to drift off into my my rant against it. Yes, this is a review, <laughs> not a uh, not a response to not someone response. else's review. But look, I just I really the only reason I couldn't give this four maybe even four and a half stars was I agree that the final battle dragged. And when I do purchase this on Blu-ray, when I do see it again, I'm gonna take my wife to see it again at the cinemas. I will probably be looking for different things. I mean, I saw the LexCorp. That that was cute, yeah. And you saw the Wayne Enterprises on the the satellite. I didn't see that. Now that was a, that was a tricky one, but there's about three others in the movie yeah. as well. I liked it, but I, I so to me, just a touch long, yeah. and I really wanted to give it more stars because yeah. I loved every minute yeah. of it. I gave it three and a half. Mm-hmm. I think it's something good to build on. Yeah. The next not, one should. Not truly great. The next one will kick it out. The, the next one. The, the next one could be the Dark Knight, of of Superman. Well, if it could be without being dark. Yeah, but what I want to is yeah, I know exactly what you're the saying. The mold changing. The problem with the Superman is is as a character is that he is nigh invulnerable. Mm. So the only way you can, can defeat him is to hang a rock around his neck. Yeah. And that's so seventies. I mean, was was there even any kryptonite in this film? Well, no, I think the way they did it got, was he just got the crap beat out of it. I think what was interesting about the way they did the kryptonite was that when he was on the ship and it was the atmosphere. Yes, yeah, so it was the And so when they've been conditioned to the sun. Yeah. yeah. And so then when cuz they they and they flipped that. They flipped it for real. They they did that in such a great way that when Michael and how Michael Shannon's Zod yeah, um, you wasn't getting used, yeah, getting used to it, you know, yeah. powerless, yeah. I, I, yeah, I really, really liked yeah, that. Yeah, that, that was actually a really smart way of dealing with real, the realizing it. Yeah. In. So that must mean it, it does, of course, however, remove the, the, which is good. It removes the MacGuffin of a nugget of kryptonite. Mm. Really, really, because they didn't talk about anything yeah. to do with kryptonite. They just but, said it's their atmosphere, it's the way we... You but know. then, with Zod gone, mm. how does a second movie... How do you put him back in that situation well, the without only, taking him off Earth? The only way you can ever hurt Superman Take is hurt Take him away from Yellow Sun. No, no, sorry, no, I'm not talking physically. Yeah. You can't hurt him physically. The no. only way you've ever been able to hurt Superman is hurt his heart. Yes. And so Luther, which we can only assume will be the, the, the next villain, and I can't imagine who they will cast as Luther. Um, hopefully, it's, it's not a shame Kevin's, they wasted Kevin Spacey. It is a complete shame because he was he yeah. It's almost a shame they wasted Michael Shannon. I mean, his performance oh. was astonishing, but that that Luther can outwit Superman. Mm. So there's a I mean there's a great comic series, The Earth One. Mm-hmm. Superman, and they, which was written by Straczynski, it was absolutely, and they talk about the fact that they hire Lex Luthor. How do you kill an invulnerable man? Mm. And that's now he has to pit his brain to it. So you could almost imagine that could be how the second movie mm. would go. Ah, the big million dollar, billion dollar question is Justice League. There's, yeah, and are they going to now? Henry Cavill believes Superman two will Man of Steel two will come out before Justice League. Okay, he's come out and said that because well, he just don't I think they'll get their I still together. think they need more time. Before they bring back anything they to do. Batman, they do. Well, unless they can somehow convince Christian Bale to don the suit, but then how does the third? How does Dark Knight Rises end? But, but then, can they do Justice League without Batman? Does JGL's Robin slash Nightwings like slash Azrael become that guy? Is he there as just another Batman? But yeah, yeah. Because I, I would actually, as much as I love those films. It would be cheap for them to somehow bring Bale's 
Bruce Wayne, Batman, Batman? Well, I think when we discussed either the Great Bad Off or, or one of the other topics, the only way I think they could bring him back is by making another movie, or conversely, this could be the Justice League movie, where Nightwing goes bad. Mm. Nightwing fucks and, up. And he, yeah, and uh, he, have to, he has and, to come back and take the to mantle stop this of the guy that's doing shit in his name. Yep, and that would be the two the, the twofer, if you will. It would be establishing JGL as Nightwing. Mm. Bale comes back as Batman, the formation of the Justice League because of, you know, for whatever reason. They could kind of do it that way. Yeah. But, I mean, Nightwing's fall, or Azrael's fall, would have to be something pretty impressive yeah. because it would have to be able to involve the, the Injustice League. Mm. And then, of course, you've got the whole thing of that uh, Superman can just throw it all into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much how it goes. But I, okay. Have you ever seen any of the how it should have ended with Superman? Yes, plenty of times. <laughs> plenty of times. I, you know what I've done? I'd have a batarang. Knock him out. What did you do with the missiles? I had to put something from my utility belt. Oh, yeah, that utility. <laughs> yeah, no. And yeah, throw it into the sun. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, those, uh, those comics. Oh, my God. Are... My girlfriend and Harvey Dad are trapped in, in different things. They're safe. Got them. <laughs> They're all good. <laughs> yeah, very funny. Very, very funny. Oh, these two missiles? These two missiles here? These, these ones? These ones you're talking about? Yeah, no, very cool. Very cool. So, yeah, so... So three and a half stars. Three and a half. So, stars. so we, we we rated both films the same. Oh, didn't you give? Oh no, so you gave one. I, I gave it two because I gave because I gave it the, the pity stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it two because I hadn't read the book, mm. and the third act is just appalling. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I wanted to give Man of Steel more, but yeah. I just felt that last. There, there, there were. And I mean, when he he leaves the Zod ship in a fucking crucifix, mm. he floats out. Yeah. Fucking crucifix. It's just too th- much. Thirty-three years old. They say he's yeah. thirty-three years old. When he talks to the priest, he's standing there with Christ and the stained glass window behind him. Yeah. I mean, it's always been the whole. There's always been a little bit. Yeah. Of it. It's, it's always you know, been there. I give you my son to save you. Yeah. To, give uh, hope to mankind. All of that. Yeah. Sort of business. It's, it was just a little heavy-handed. Yeah. I mean, you don't expect subtlety from the man that made Sucker Punch. Let's be clear. <laughs> Subtlety or 300. <laughs> this is Sparta. I was hoping this film would be more Watchmen than 300. How much badly, though, did you want Zod to kick Superman out of the spaceship yelling, this is Krypton? <laughs> I mean, really. I, I didn't, but now I want yeah. that. <laughs> you have no idea how much I want that. Uh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, and Russ the Love Must kicking, slap, 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 like, wait a minute. You're, yeah, you're a genetically you're bred so, scientist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it did. It, it alluded to the idea that they might have fought a war together and whatnot, yeah. but who knows? Anyway, what are you going to do? Yeah. Move your head to the left. What? Yeah. I liked it. I liked yeah. that aspect of it. I just think Lois Lane just needs to be a little pluckier. Not Margot Kido crazy. No, well, Margot Kido only sort of got crazy a little later on, but you watch, you watch her... She had fire. Freneticism. She had, yeah. Freneticism. It, was that just a product? That could have been a product. Like, not wanting to get on my... Feminist soapbox, because obviously the women are taking all the soap. But that can you have a woman like that? Can you have a character like that in a time where women are as empowered as they are? Was her Lois Lane so groundbreaking because she was pushing against the glass ceiling? She was a woman in a man's world. We don't necessarily have that issue now to the same extent. 
I think I think you've just pretty much alienated all our female listeners. I think we do absolutely still have a glass ceiling. I think we we I think we do. I think this is the world. I mean, just what happened to our prime minister, mate? Come on. I know you. I know you. You're floundering for the most desperately <laughs> sexist joke you can come up with, and it's just not. <laughs> and I thought I'll string him along here. I'll throw him a red-headed clown and see what happens. Nah, nah. Look, I, I think I get where you're coming from I, because I, you and I do share similar values, well, lack thereof, of women. But I just, I don't know, I disagree. I think I disagree with you on that mm. one. I, I think that, I, I, I think she was I groundbreaking. Margaret you know. Kidder's Lois Lane mm. had a feistiness born of having to fight her way into her position. Okay, I'll accept that. That's yeah, okay. pro- that's yep. probably the point that I badly made. Yeah, no, I accept that. I actually, no, I do accept that. I think that that actually is a pretty good point. Now that you've actually made it, <laughs> now that I've articulated in a way that doesn't make me sound like a sexist jerk off. Uh, now I'll agree with it. Did you notice? <laughs> did you notice me leave you right out there yeah, on that yeah. iceberg all yeah, by yeah. yourself? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, Thanks good. for that, mate. Good. <laughs> uh, uh, so that's been no, us. No, to, oh, to whoa! As a heterosexual white able-bodied male. Yeah. I understand discrimination. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody want to be a nigger, but nobody want to be a nigger. (laughs) Why don't you ask that question? Well, Well, yeah. It's either episode 23 or episode 24. It's fucking one of them. Tell you what, it's it's pretty long. So you could almost be a dual parter. It it is episode 23. It's the Michael Jordan. Uh, It is, absolutely. And who's number 24? Anyone in particular? Uh, Kobe Bryant. All right. Did you just make that up, or do you know that shit? See, occasionally you just pull some shit out. I think I, I, it's a little in your wheelhouse. I'm impressed. That's Kobe what Bryant. What I do. Yep. That's what and, I do. And just like sex with Kobe Bryant, kick and scream all you like. Episode 24 is still going to happen. So for another week, if you want to talk to us, yes, on uh, on Twitter. Here's ACOP Nate ACOP Woody And if you want to email us with Well if you want to tell us how great we are That's really all we would like to hear Yeah Pricks At a couple of pricks.com. And of course if you don't like what we have to say Go fuck yourself At a couple of pricks.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and uh, Facebook.com Slash ACOP podcast And I think that's got us covered um, don't, we can, We're on Stitcher as well Don't yeah, forget that Go on to if you, if you listen through iTunes Leave a review, subscribe. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. that funky iTunes, yep. iTunes stuff. Yep, pump us up. That's us. Yes. For, a, for another episode. Hopefully it won't be so long between drinks. Yeah, absolutely. Next time, I'm Nate. I'm Woody. And we're a couple of bricks. Yeah.